Hello and welcome to DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. This is episode number 124. I'm your host, Joel, and broadcasting live from Massachusetts because I have my head stuck on right this week. It's Jay's. Hello there. <laughs> I got it right. I got it right for once. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't have like a little Kazooie, like, you know, fanfare, like type thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, one of those little party favor, like uh, horns, whatever you call them. Anyways, welcome on in, folks. It's another fine week, and it's getting to that point of the season where we're now in the last three, two episodes-ish of most of the shows going on. So there's not going to be a ton for us to go over, I feel like, this week, because right now we're really just getting that ramp up, but it's still in that area, at least for me. You can speak for yourself, Jace, that I'm still in the, all right, well, we're going along. And uh, one, I haven't watched a ton out of outside of what we're going to discuss as our main topic today because I was so busy watching stuff for our main topic, but also because this is the week of the month that I've been working on our next radio drama script primarily, which is usually what causes me to fall a little bit behind. Fortunately, I basically gotten caught up with everything as of this time last week. So I'm already like caught up with half because I also watched some things on Saturday and Sunday last week, but uh, I don't have too much to report on in terms of the weekly watching, just, you know, we're getting to those final arcs, uh, those buildups to the finales. And, well, I can't say that anything has gone totally off the rails quite yet, because usually if something's going to go utterly off the rails, it's going to be at the last minute at this point. In time. Yeah. It will be something that like, you know, second to last episode in the second half or the last episode where something's going to go wrong if it's going to go wrong or right. Hopefully it goes very right. <laughs> but I don't have a whole lot to report on in terms of, oh, this show did something really, really new this week that really stood out. But uh, I don't know, outside of the topic, which uh, I'm bearing the lead here, we're going to be talking cyberpunk edge runners, folks. So strap in for that. Outside of edge runners, do you have anything in particular to talk about in terms of your weekly watching? I mean, uh, it's basically everything's, you know, ramping up and winding down, um, you know, doing a little research on some of them along the way. And uh, one of the things I discovered um, as, as I caught up with Engage Kiss was actually um, the fact that it's part it, it was actually the vanguard of the Engage pro, uh, project. It's apparently part of uh What's going to be there? There was a manga that came out at the same time, and also we'll have a mobile game. So this uh, is yes, actually gotta love a them multimedia franchises. Yeah. Um. So I have a feeling that this show is going to wrap up neatly with a little bow, and the story will continue via the mobile game. Um. Somehow, and so it's like, well, okay, you know, I while I liked the fact that the main character. And everything he went through turned into an allegory for uh, PTSD-induced amnesia. And I, I did not see that coming at all. I was like, this is, we see this increasingly commonly that just uh, last year, actually, or was it this year? I've lost track. But the bottom line is um, Talk to Destiny. Mm. That, that show was the vanguard for its own mobile game, which I don't know if it's re released yet. But uh, once yeah. again, good friend Emmy playing it. Uh, Destiny in that and uh, obviously we'll be talking about Emmy a fair bit today because spoilers, she's the female lead in Cyberpunk Edgerunners, which I do believe we've mentioned 
on uh, one of our previous shows. So that shouldn't be a few times, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll get to that eventually. But yes, uh, Engage Kiss, I did not realize that it had the multimedia aspect. But at the same time, I'm not super shocked. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that you have nowadays, whereas, you know, it used to be, all right, was it going to be a game adaptation or something like that? And that, well, mobile games are going to be how you get your quick and easy stuff out there. So, yeah, well, I I suppose I shouldn't say that, you know, as someone dirty. (laughs) Yeah. In that depending on how quickly you want to get it out, because don't get me wrong. And obviously, once again, bias, because hi, working in mobile games and gaming in general, uh, (laughs) that a lot of work does go into these games to be entirely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I say this with, you know, uh, I call it quick and dirty. Yeah, that yeah, well, and gotcha. it's going to depend <laughs> how fast they need to get it out there. That yeah, if it's going to be rushed out the door, it can be quick and dirty. But obviously, mobile games can be very, very good if the time yeah. and effort is put into them. And it's entirely possible that they will do this. Apparently, the name for the game is Engage Kill. So yeah. working with Engage and K, but uh, going from one K four letter word to another, and it will keep. Uh... Uh, I'm I'm blanking out her name. Uh, the the pink haired uh, demon girl. It's going to keep her as part of the story in Engage Kill, uh, as part of that whole multimedia tie in thing. Um, so I mean, if that's not your kind of thing, like if that's not your cup of tea, and you've been on the fence about watching it so far this season, you might want to pass it just because it's not going. To, it doesn't seem like it'll get a continuation and. Well, I think might. it's gonna. It's it might. Possible. It might. Um, the the other bit of if uh, mobile game is successful. They'll true. probably be more likely to continue it. Well, uh, the the other thing is that uh, mobile games being put out by Square Enix as well. Yes. So Which I mean, is a good. I consider that a positive in terms of hmm. its outlook. That uh, Square Enix, you know, they've been around the block and yeah. they usually put out good stuff and. Uh, we'll see where this one goes. That overall engage case, you know, it's an A1 Pictures production when it comes to the anime. Square Enix for the game. Some pretty good pedigree there. Yeah. Um, the other one that I get, did a little uh, digging, somebody on Facebook uh, who, I guess, watched the entire, I want to say it was 52 episode run of the original uh, Tokyo Mew Mew, was saying that uh, this new version seems to be well, one, it's obvious it's been updated, but two, um, that it seems to be a bit more compressed, a little bit more bridged, as supposedly this will get a second, uh, I, I guess the term for it now is second core, uh, second season of sorts, mm-hmm. um, as this is about the halfway point, I guess, in the manga. So they're... <laughs> time dilation time compression <laughs> they're taking a pretty lengthy manga and, and lengthy tv series from back then and compressing it because it's nothing you know that hasn't been seen before kind of like what they did with uh the the sailor moon crystal uh reboot as well yeah, so uh, and, so way, i mean uh, i realized i didn't have my microphone settings done so i probably just got a fair bit louder am i sounding all right uh you sound uh you sound good right now okay cool Awesome. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So probably like coming said, back next year. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised that it definitely matches, like you said, what we saw with Sailor Moon and a perhaps it's not the best analogy, but, you know, what we saw with uh, Fruits Basket and Fruits yeah. Basket was a much more one to one that they didn't really abridge much from what I understand, but that uh, they're still going to be 
sometimes making those compressions there. So yeah, at the very least, I'm pretty sure that Tokyo Mew Mew just on its name alone and that it has its installed fan base, that it's going to be just fine. Not really my cup of tea, oh, but yeah. I'm hoping it, and I really haven't heard too much one way or the other. But the fact that I haven't heard outrage usually is a good sign that the folks yeah. who are wanting to watch it are enjoying it and that it at least hasn't done anything egregious, the likes of which we've heard for um, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. Though I yeah. did hear that they had a song from the Pillows in this week's episode, which apparently has folks very happy. So, hey, they did something right. Hmm. That's uh, that's interesting. So, and of course, uh, you mentioned uh, the casting for the dub of that as well so that that might make me actually go back and revisit it and it's funny that the pillows did a song because it did give off fully coolie vibes <laughs> so i mean that's that is even more appropriate for it um i did watch a little bit more uh i i dug into some some obscure tokusatsu uh at least obscure by like you know uh what we know here in the States, because we, we mostly know of the big three that are still ongoing after, you know, 45 plus years, Sentai Rider, Ultraman. Um, and I stumbled upon a show called Bunny Nights. Um, and the crazy thing about that one is that it had some star power hidden inside of it. Um I can't remember the name of the voice actress. She's still doing stuff to this day. She blew up in the late nineties um, and she did an insert song and some voiceover for it. And I was like, no way. No, no. Like we're talking big freaking roles too. Like she was the voice of Toru Honda in the, mm-hmm. in uh, fruits basket. She was in this. And then of course the ending theme song, I'm just rocking along to it. And then I see in the credits Megumi and I went, no like really like no wonder this is so good like they got Megumi Hashibara you know Lena Inverse uh or, or Anna uh uh oh god I'm blanking uh Shaman King Anna like they got Megumi for the ending theme for this show so it was a fun little guilty pleasure odd little look at like a toku from 98 starring a female lead which uh, or female team rather it was three girls who transformed into knights very uh what if you saw like the power rangers type with a helmet transform into something akin to uh the outfits were reminiscent of like utina so or uh or rose of versailles type thing because their motif was bunnies and the three musketeers <laughs> just an odd little thing going down the rabbit hole of like these little tokusatsu shows, especially after uh, we had uh, Miss Kuroitsu show off a lot of the local uh, toku uh, heroes as a little bonus aside thing from it. And I was just trying to find if there was any media of them. And that's how I stumbled upon uh, bunny nights. So uh, if hopefully I can come across the local hero show and I can maybe mention that as an aside next week, for people to just, oh, by the way, <laughs> remember this in uh, Miss Kuroitsu? So, like, one of the things to kind of distract people from the plot, the one problematic element of that show. <laughs> it's it's still a favorite of mine, despite that, unfortunately. Um, mm. But, uh, oh, also, Futo P.I. continues to be great. Um, I will continue to sing the praises of 
Fruit of VI every week because I'm biased towards it. Yeah, like I said, that might end up being the one that I go back to after the season because since I'm mostly caught up with everything right now, that means I'll, I usually get this free week between uh, one season ending and one season uh, starting. So yeah. that's shaping up to be potentially where I sink my time, depending on how everything else goes. While, but, uh, uh, while you, you do that, I'll probably catch up on uh, Mob Psycho since that's getting a uh, new season next season, which we'll yeah. talk about next week. <laughs> yeah, the, it's funny. Mob Psycho was one that when I first watched it, like the first time I saw the first episode, I hated Regan so much. <laughs> <laughs> that I couldn't watch episode two. I hated his character. I was like, this guy's just such a scumbag. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I put it down and it wasn't until probably a year later, right before season two started airing that I was like, all right, everyone keeps talking about how great this is. And a couple of folks told me Regan really has his redemption and that he improves as a character. So I sort of stomached it, went back to it, and I'm very glad I did because mm. Regan does indeed become a character worth cheering for. And I can, at the very least, appreciate he was written to be a scumbag, and I just rea <laughs> I reacted to what they wanted me to feel. And it was just yeah. the type of thing of sometimes you have those characters written that way and that the way they are used can vary. And it's the type of thing that I don't love characters that i'm supposed to hate usually if it's if they're on the protagonist side so hmm. it, it just made things a bit difficult for me plus the first episode admittedly was pretty weird and hmm. it, yeah it just wasn't what i was looking for at the time so i dropped it but like i said very glad that i came back to it, and i'm very much looking forward to going back to it for season three um on the whole licorice recoil it I'm very interested to see how they end this one because I feel mm. like it, right now it is flirting with honorable mention level for end of the year top yeah. 10. And it's the type of thing that if it sticks the landing, it could find itself in the top 10. I don't know. It would need to do something really, really good to stand out because, to be fair, it's been a strong year this year. Like, we've had some yeah. really good stuff. And Licorice Recoil, I'm just looking at and saying, it could get there. It could absolutely get there. Um, in other news, just everything else continues to really pull its weight. Uh, yeah. It has been very delightful, honestly, just how consistent this season has been that Apart from Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, the, the fact that I basically didn't drop anything is yeah, I mean, a really good sign. A couple of cuckoos dropped off for me. Um, I'm I, still keeping up with that one. That it, I'm far enough in in that it hasn't... It, it's not getting honorable mention, even like this is not going to make yeah. anywhere remote near my top 10. But it's still been a fun enough 23 minutes a week that I'm content to continue. Yeah, I it just it didn't because uh, there were so many I was following, and plus I'm like prepping for next season with catching up on things. I still can't believe I yeah, got you, all of my hero. What uh, you need to do? Oh, uh, actually, on top of it all, JoJo Stone Ocean Part Two dropped, and I still need to finish that. On top of it all, uh, because curse you, Netflix and your freaking drops. I don't <laughs> like binging. 
I like my weekly give me give me a reason to keep talking about something every week versus such talking an interesting about- thing of just well as something that I will remind folks of at multiple points in this particular episode. I work for Boss Fight Entertainment, which as of April is a Netflix company that yeah. uh, that I, I work for Netflix. I don't have any hand whatsoever nowhere remotely near their anime release or really any of their uh normal content that uh i'm still working for a gaming company but it's the type of thing that i find super fascinating that obviously and this is not insider information at all netflix wouldn't keep doing their binge drops if their data didn't say that that was what yeah people wanted and I recognize that you and I, Jace, are in the minority. That, And I think yeah. it's the type of thing, because we are anime fans in particular, that we're kind of conditioned to want this week in, week out, more slow, steady drip. I feel but like it, it's more of a nerd culture type thing, because people were so. also talking about it with, like, uh, Paramount did weekly for, uh, Paramount Plus does weekly for Beavis and Butthead and for uh, Halo, like, they do weekly for their shows. Uh, Disney Plus for Marvel and Star Wars does weekly. And I think that the thing about weekly is it keeps discussion going. It keeps the show going. It keeps it in people's minds longer. Even after the finale airs, people are still talking about it. Whereas I feel like when you drop a binge, you know, you drop like 10 episodes or 13 episodes of something all at once. I think it's a bit of both because it's a matter of you're more likely to get folks sticking around to just you know, set aside an afternoon or an evening and say, you know what, I'm going to take three hours and treat it like I'm watching a movie or two back to back. And Mm. that for a lot of people, that's easier than making the habit. And in terms of you, you talk about the discussion generated that depending on how you analyze numbers, would you rather have a weekend where you're all over and people are talking about it a whole bunch or would you rather take a tenth of that engagement and spread it out? And depending on what type of statistics and models and goals you mm. have, yeah, one might be more preferable than the other. That's not to say that either is right or wrong, but that it, it's the type of thing that while I personally do prefer the weekly model, I can understand the merits of both. Mm. And it, I think it's super intriguing yeah the the differences of time time is a valuable thing you know watch it watch it fly by as the pendulum swings (laughs) but uh we we might as well sort of take that as our transition in for cyberpunk edge runners uh obviously this week netflix released cyberpunk gave uh, 10 episodes they're about 23 to 25 minutes each so this is standard anime run times that this is not hour-long installments as you will have with some series and it's really freaking good folks and we as i have my personal bias because as i mentioned i work for netflix even if not in this department at all we as digital era entertainment have a bias because lucy the lead female role in the dub for cyberpunk edge runners is played by none other than emmy lowe who obviously friend of the channel one of the original hosts of this very show. So we are entirely biased, but (laughs) if you don't want to trust us, trust some of the reviews, because as of time of broadcast, 
on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 100% of certified, sorry, not certified fresh, but it's 100% fresh, an average of 8.8 out of 10 on their critic tomato meter and a 97% audience score with an average rating of 4.8 stars on 482 ratings. So even if you don't trust us, the reviews are in you. There's reviews like uh, Moist Critical gave it a 90% on the Moist meter. Uh, mm. Everyone from Polygon, Forbes, that the reviews for the show are really good. We're not necessarily going to call it, you know, anime of the year stuff or all-time classic, but it's really good. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I got to say, like, this took me back to when I saw the Animatrix, you know, and, and of course, like, that's more of a anthology like Star Wars Visions and, and stuff like that. You know, but at the same time, it's that sort of media tie-in that it's so stylized because it's trigger and mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that, uh, everything just other, flows. <laughs> uh, a couple of top level points to get across here. Like you mentioned, Jace studio trigger prolific. And this whole series is trigger doing what trigger does. I feel like there are very few studios that could have done this series and made it work. I, I can't think of any that could have done it better than trigger Two, You do not need to have ever played a cyberpunk game to watch and enjoy the series i have never played a cyberpunk game they use a bit of jargon and slang but it's integrated so seamlessly that you can very quickly pick up what they're putting down it's like oh this is their slang for cool and this is their slang for someone who has a lot of uh, augmentations in their body that it's they don't Uh, are you chromed out (laughs) yeah you don't need world building monologues that they don't have a ton of exposition here it's just it is a show don't tell and that's something that's very very good because from what i understand cyberpunk has a lot of lore and that they could have done some heavy exposition dump but they didn't and also apparently in terms of broader lore that this happens in some indistinct time before 2077 the game yeah i uh, i did a little digging on the wiki uh after i watched it because i was curious um because i knew it was a pen and paper game and i know of cyberpunk as a genre uh as i am a fan of the pen and paper game uh shadow run and even backed uh the uh pc game shadow run returns i backed that years ago on kickstarter um so i i love the cyberpunk aesthetic and I did a little digging, you know, I, I went through the lore of like finding out if it's, like we're talking pages and pages and I did not get through reading it all because it's a lot because cyberpunk has now been through three revisions. Uh, it's on its third version as far as the tabletop game goes. And then you have to add into the fact that CD Projekt Red added a bunch into the lore on top of it all. And really, you don't need to know the tabletop game. Um, as from what I was reading online, a lot of this was written and taken from CD Projekt Red's cyberpunk. Yeah. So that you really, you don't need anything going into this and that the general genre that if you've seen Blade Runner, if you know the idea of, yeah, if you know the idea of futuristic 
you know, literally cyberpunk dystopia. That's what it is here. It is what it says on the tin, and it delivers. That it, you can just go in. All the characters in, are introduced organically. There may have been references to stuff in the game, and I just didn't know it. But I, there was never a moment where I felt that I didn't know what was going on. So it that, felt- that's a really important thing to me when you're doing an adaptation of a existing franchise of how accessible is it? And this is just you know perfect accessibility. If there was extra nuggets and things in there that you know diehard cyberpunk fans can enjoy, I'm happy for them. There was n- never even a stumbling block that, as I'll, I'll get to in a bit, this is actually a show that I plan to recommend to non-anime fans because it is that yeah. level of accessible. Same here. Um, I mean, maybe some of the people who aren't into animation wouldn't get into it. This isn't something along the lines of maybe uh, Castlevania, where Castlevania feels much more grounded, and this is much more stylized. So it's like, if somebody's not a fan of animation, they might not be into it. But at the same time, it is so well performed. I mean, Giancarlo Esposito, chef's kiss. I I love Giancarlo Esposito. He is one of my favorite. I have to call him a character actor at this point. Yeah. Because the man only plays villains. They saw him as Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. And now he's basically, if there is a major media, whether it be games, live action, animation if somebody needs one of the most menacing villains out there get Giancarlo on the horn because he's now appeared as a major villain in Star Wars in Far Cry in everything and just it's always the same he doesn't modulate his voice at all that is his normal speaking voice and it's just that he's really good at it it's oh, almost God, yeah. a meme at this point, and it's like you see his name. It's like, oh, John Carlos playing a villain again. But at the same time, you just say, yeah, that's okay because he's just so damn good at it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. I was exposed to him. Like some people got it through Breaking Bad. Me, it was Star Wars as uh, Moff Gideon, and he was just such a hateable Imperial officer that it was just like, oh my God. Um, so, I mean, he, he just, the way he plays Faraday out and the design of Faraday, the three eyes, I thought that that was so damn cool looking. Oh yeah, It was well, that, really kind of the, unique. That's one of the really fun things here that I feel like having studio trigger on board makes it so much easier that in the cyberpunk world already, a world of augmentations and just weird character designs already the fact that they were just allowed to go ham and that you wouldn't blink twice, I suppose, pun half intended because three eyes <laughs> on Faraday. But it's the whole thing of somebody can have this weird, normally grotesque type of mutation type of thing. And you'll say, yeah, that works. That totally makes sense here because it's cyberpunk world and anything can happen. And the fact that Studio Trigger already has just made the name for themselves on stylization, on doing the fantastic, the weird, the rule of cool, that everything works so well for them here, that this feels like something that it's very clear that Netflix approached them knowing exactly what they were getting into. And to be fair, this is not the first time that Netflix has worked with um, Studio Trigger. True. But 
it's the type of thing you can still see Trigger's most iconic fingerprints all over this, that you get the classic stare down shot. I won't say where, yeah. but you get it. <laughs> that um, David's design is very reminiscent of other Trigger designs that he looks like, I'm blanking on the name, but um, eh, from Promare, that the protagonist of Promare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it just the, the facial structure. This is not Studio Trigger trying to be something they aren't. This is Studio Trigger who was just given the playground of cyberpunk and they are having a ball i think one of the best things too is that like they not only played to what they did best and to the cyberpunk universe but also pop culture in general because uh talking about those body modifications one of the things that caught my eye in the background uh during one of the uh confrontations they had was a woman who had three boobs and i just I immediately that <laughs> i was just like oh my god is that freaking <laughs> yeah by the way uh this is a rated r production yeah that it, first this episode is, this is Ow. tvma rated r i would not advise this for anybody under the age of 17 but at the same time you know if you're 18 years or older that this is just so good and fun and crazy and bloody very bloody and oh yes oof, it's it's everything it wants to be the only one of the big complaints that i have and yeah. one of the things that i've heard from others is that they move a little bit fast here it never feels yeah. it never feels too fast in the sense that it damages it but it's the type of thing that i do wish it could have maybe had two or three more episodes just a little bit more time to breathe but uh that's more of a nitpick than uh a damnation of it that mm. i think it, uh it's just they had so many good characters and so much of this very vibrant world that they could have taken a bit of extra time and i would not have minded it but uh, i usually think that's a that's a good sign to have it's it's funny that you mentioned like it felt a little like rushed a little compressed because in a way um and i've been describing this to a few people as this kaleidoscopic like basically instead of a blender you make it a kaleidoscope and you throw akira and ghost in the shell in there you know, also the two red line and red line you throw you throw those into a kaleidoscope rather than a blender and you get this. And the thing is that Akira also is very compressed. It is nothing at all like the manga, you know, and by far. And of course, if you're listening to this, you most likely watch the whole thing. Um, I'm I'm going to try to avoid making this a spoiler per se, but the uh, psychosis that having too many modifications can bring yeah, on that, yeah that, that's the thing they establish in episode one and True. from what i understand it is a broader element of the cyberpunk world so yes. yeah um the way david experiences it really made me think of akira you know it's just like oh my god like so it's 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 if what if Trigger did Akira, <laughs> except instead of wires and flesh, it's just guns. That's it. Just, it's just, just guns. guns. <laughs> Everything is guns. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, but it leads to such a freaking climax that, like, I literally, like, I was digging my nails into the freaking armrests of my chair and, like, leaning forward as the action was going on because it was just so freaking engrossing. I mean, like, it's, it's Trigger doing what Trigger does best. But my God, it's like this freaking, like, world was meant for them to play in like it would be amazing i've heard, I've heard a lot of people saying that this series is what they hoped the game would be because obviously cyberpunk 2077 has one of the most prolifically troubled releases in gaming history oh, i would i would go as far as say you know it's not et levels i don't think anything is ever going to be et levels because it was just it was such a perfect storm, but easily, I think it's very easy to say that Cyberpunk 2077's launch was one of the most bungled of the past decade. Oh, just yeah. In, in terms of anticipation and immediate reaction of this was already a game that had been delayed for years on end. And then when it came out, it was breaking left, right, and center. And to their credit, to Project to CD Project Red's credit, they have, after the fact, uh, very much uh, performed surgery on it. That they've they've repaired things, they've gotten the game into playability. But that first week of release was rough. It oh, was yeah. bad. It was basically any. Anything anyone was talking about in gaming was going to be referencing CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk 2077 that week of just how how cataclysmically bad it was. It was a mess in terms of people posting about all these crazy game-breaking bugs. You think that, you know, every major game release nowadays has some bugs. And that's just because we live in a world where you're able to do some day zero, day one patches. And eh, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to be particularly forgiving of some things. But the scale to which it was troubled was just absurd. And then you have this, which is going to end up having that, all right, you know, how's it going to go? And I think, if anything... There's been a good amount of chatter from cyberpunk fans just saying this is almost the apology for the game's release. <laughs> I mean, they even did uh, tie in content with the most recent patch for the game that ties it into the aftermath of the show. So one, uh, one of the characters is actually in the game and there is a quest line added on that references the show very loosely uh, since Again, the show can stand on its own. You don't very need to play the game. You're very loosey. <laughs> hey. uh, so I, I will say Lucy's end arc kind of reminded me uh, at, at the end of the series, reminded me a little bit of Cowboy Bebop with Faye and what led to like the whole accident. Oh, that's with, like, so interesting. I hadn't thought of it from that angle, but you're not wrong. Yeah, I was just going like, wait a second. Could this possibly be just a very loose reference here at the end to Cowboy Bebop and Faye? No, like, I, I wouldn't go as far as to I say I wouldn't go that. that far, but it was just a funny coincidence, even given yeah. the characters' like similar hairstyles and stuff. 
Yeah, also, uh, I think we sort of need to decide how far into spoiler territory do we want to go. That we've skirted around things pretty well so far, and I think at this point, I kind of want to just go full spoiler, give anyone listening that full spoiler warning so we can really spend this last third of the show discussing things without having to dance around it and also do some more appreciation of particular moments and also speculation for the future so i think at this point uh we will put up that spoiler warning you all have about 10 seconds for me to stop rambling before we just go full ham on it bottom line is go watch cyberpunk edge runners it's very good so uh, take it however you want english or japanese so uh, if you want english so uh, we recommend English for a couple of reasons. I'll say I watched the first episode in uh, Japanese just to get a little vibe of that. Uh, and then I uh, went back and watched the rest of it in English and uh, English, as I've said before, like I did with My Hero Academia, it makes it a lot easier to binge something because you can be much more passive. And Netflix likes passive viewing. So, I mean, <laughs> I also feel like for this universe in particular, that this is one that is a it's this is an anime this is produced in japan undoubtedly but at the same time this story and the overall aesthetics i think it feels you could show this to someone and say this was western animation and they'd believe you yeah this is this is kind of like uh you would say it's western in the style of say uh, and, and i was comparing this to a few other things and I dated myself immediately because I was like, I, I was telling a friend, like, you ever see Aeon Flux? They were like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, God, like, just just, you know, sign me up for AARP right now and, and get me some uh, aspirin to dust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since that was like my first exposure ever to cyberpunk aesthetic was that. And like, again, very stylized, very fluid animation with crazy action um that was my first exposure to that kind of animation something you don't see very often in western animation as well because of cyberpunk's setting and aesthetic you would you might guess or mistake it for western uh animation and much like castlevania yeah and i think that's actually something more emblematic of Studio Trigger's style than anything, that Studio Trigger as a whole, I think that they aren't trying to be Western animation. I think it's just that they naturally end up in a style that is slightly more akin to, well, I I don't know, because at the same time, they are just very anime. Uh, Anyways, that's a conversation for another day. Bottom line, all right, spoiler warning, out the window, here we go. Um... Gosh, where do I want to start? I guess <laughs> since, since you started to really get into it with the fact that David undergoes a level of psychosis, that we're going to go full ham. Just I, I usually watch the opening and ending sequence of a show, if, especially if I'm binging it. I'll watch it for the first episode and the last episode. Yep. That, um, I'm very likely to just skip it, even in weekly installments. And this is something I've mentioned on the show before, but especially if I'm binging a show. I'm just going to watch it the first time and the last time. Yep. And you see the end of the show in the opening. Yeah. And, and 
It's the type of thing that you see it, and even the first time you see it, you aren't sure, okay, is this meant to be a metaphor, or is this an actual premonition? Nope, it's a premonition. That they, that, yeah. that you see David's death in the opening sequence, and you you can't quite tell who it is, and partially because the design of the character is not the same as uh, Adam Smasher in the end. Uh, it's definitely a... Uh, not quite as bulky design, but you still see him being shot through the head. And whew, it was something that as I started the last episode and watched the opening sequence for that last time, that it sort of clicked to me. It was like, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> and yeah, sure enough, there we go. Uh, one of the big things that I found myself sort of trying to decide after finishing the show is do I think slash should there be slash how would there be a season two of this because mm. everyone except Lucy is dead well sorry yeah. Lucy and um uh, Falco yeah I was really upset to see Rebecca go like, oh god like, like you think she's gonna survive and then she's just, we're having a moment here Bam! Oh man, yeah. I mean, like that. I've never had a moment hit me in the way that that one did because it both simultaneously made me laugh and go oh at the same time. Yeah, because <laughs> she she very quickly grew on me. Yeah. Just like I, I, her character design is not normally a character aesthetic. When I see that kind of you know super young looking character. But they gave her such a hard edge and, and this cocky fact, attitude. Even though she was a small character in stature, you could tell she was an adult. Yeah, that, that too. That, you know, that, you know uh, there are folks who are, you know, shorter. Yeah. And that, you know, they're... My they, mom's 5'2". <laughs> yeah, and look a little bit younger, but you can tell they're not kids. Yeah. You can tell that right away with Rebecca that it's yeah I very much enjoyed Rebecca's character presentation how she is you know that sort of bratty well very much literally actually of how her character's written little sister character yeah and that she has all this energy but also a lot of heart and it really uh comes to bear in the second half of the show yeah and, uh, yeah that that was one where it was it wasn't as much heartbreaking for me as just sort of frustrating. It was like, oh, man, uh, oh, it, gee, you were this close. She was so close to surviving and making it out alive. Yeah. And, but at the same time, of all the ways for her to go, what a Rebecca way to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's it's funny because between the aesthetic and everything like and the characters. I it reminded me of another one of my favorite things, Borderlands and her her death definitely reminded me of how I feel when characters in borderlands die because it's just one of those like oh man you, like like you said that kind of moment that feeling it had me thinking what other western properties could trigger animate that would leave you going Whoa! if i could absolutely see trigger doing a borderlands anime no question yeah. that that's that's uh that's a topic for another time yeah. what like you know uh well, I, what would be the equivalent of fan casting for for putting stuff to an anime studio? 
<laughs> fan producing something like that yes yeah but, um, uh, that, maybe, that would be a fun topic for another time but back to cyberpunk yeah just they, there were so many deaths obviously in the fact that we really only have two characters left and falco ultimately is not a main character he is no. a secondary character who is he is the quest giver in the game actually the one that ties into it yeah Oh, he's actually okay. he's in the game. He's the one that gives you the uh, tie in quests that go with uh, edge runners. Mm, all right. Because that's the thing of just. In theory, I could see there being more to Lucy's story, but at yeah. the same time, I would still be entirely satisfied with the end where we have it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we learned her background. We learned about, you know, the tragedy behind it yeah. and everything like that. And uh of course, the villains of the cyberpunk universe are the megacorpos, so, yeah, and she's tied into that being an experiment. There's definitely a continuation that's possible with them yeah. continuing to come after her or her potentially seeking revenge against them. Slash the fact that they have now this uh, exoskeleton thing set up, and I'm not sure to what degree that is involved in the 2077 storyline. I feel like uh, the way that they set up the show with Adam Smasher at the end, as far as I know, he's either a boss or maybe even a final boss in the game um, as as this person who rejected their humanity completely outright uh, to serve them. It's just he he yeah. was practically dead and went full cyborg and he was full Borg. Yeah. And uh, humanity Jojo. Oh, wait, wrong series. <laughs> because everything is a Jojo reference. Of course. <laughs> hey, Jojo part six also on Netflix. Yeah, it's a Netflix exclusive. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it did wrap up neatly with a bow. And as much as I would love to see more. I also would love to see just Trigger take on more of these Western crossovers and stuff and see more. Where can they take something else? Yeah, the other thing I can see is, all right, give us Cyberpunk Edgerunners season two, but it's completely different people. That yeah, a different group of uh, large. Yeah, we could just have an entirely separate group of folks and there may or may not be tangential elements of the storyline that in the end, like you said, everything is going to revolve around the megacorps that we have our Osaka and we have Militech. Yep. So we can just have other things there or hell we could go from the inside that we have, uh, those two, uh, the, that there was the two characters that came in really in the last three episodes from Arasaka. Yeah, um, yeah. I and that they were the ones overseeing everything for the exoskeleton project. Hell, yeah. I'd love to see something from their point of view. I'd love to see. All right, let's get real deep into the megacorp, just you know, uh, espionage and politics. Let's get full Game of Thrones with this. I'd be. I, mean, I can see this. I could actually see Edge Runners becoming an anthology series with a different subtitle to each season, in which, like you know. You know, call it like cyberpunk, you know, Arasaka or something, you know. So let's let's rush home on this, you know, and do a second season of Edge Runners from a different point of view. We'll see the main characters from somebody else's side who's not related. Like we'll see them off on their adventure going on in the background of another episode. But while this series focuses on a different gang of people, 
Yeah. You know, so, oh, we don't want to get mix, mixed up with them because they got David and that guy like they could have a nickname for him. They could call him like David the Destroyer or something like that. Who knows? You know? But um, in terms of big moments in this series that just obviously we haven't really talked about Maine. Yeah. His role that uh, the Barrett of the group, <laughs> yeah, the Barrett, the Kamina. Like, yeah. I, I had to try really difficult to not be like, did you just pull a, a, a Kamina, you know, Gurren Lagan type thing? But to be fair, you know, the the death of your mentor character is a tried and true thing. Oh, in yeah. Media and storytelling. It's certainly not uh, unique to Studio Trigger or anime at all. But it was the type of thing of you really see the 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 two big arcs that the first six episodes and then it's some amount of time skip for the last four episodes it's not really clear but it's basically insinuated that it has to have been a couple of months that for the yeah. amount of augmentations that david undergoes and for the fact that he seems to have built up a reputation this couldn't have been a you know skip one week later type of thing this was probably four seven months somewhere in that range and it definitely feels like there was a gap and uh i think the time skip there was perfectly natural but yeah there was that big tonal shift of just all right david's the guy in charge now and yeah especially after seeing Maine go the way he did it's it felt pretty clear that a i i didn't want to say it until we were in past the spoiler warning but yeah, I feel like it was pretty clear, especially from how the series started. Yeah, cyberpsychosis was inevitable. That yep, that it was always going to happen, and the question was just going to be: Was there going to was David going to find a way out of it or not? Yeah, and the ultimate answer is no, which is not entirely surprising. That close, he was very close. Yes. Until that final fight was a do or die situation. Yeah. And it sort of makes you question of had he not been up against Adam, would he have been able to come back from that? That would he have been able to take things or was he already, you know, too far over the edge? And they had this really cool animation sequence of him going over various edges in yeah. the series that I didn't even like register as, oh, They've been planting that imagery since episode one of just every time he walks into a crosswalk that that's going over the edge. Yeah. The, the fact that he sort of took a shortcut off of a, a dumpster or down to a dumpster in the first couple yeah. of episodes that that was him jumping over an edge and yep. the whole thing of going into the canyon, going over the edge. I was like, oh, OK, that was actually pretty cool. Okay. Especially, uh, especially the uh, the hallucination of being in like a desert like area, and then they're fighting in a desert like area, and I'm just going, "Oh shoot!" Like you know, is is this already part of the hallucination? Like is you know, like the, even that part, like they they even have you start to second guess what's real and what's you know possibly the cyber psychosis going down. So. Maine's gang in general, that found family that he gets after his mother dies of, you know, being with them. I got to say, like, I really enjoyed all of them. I enjoyed Maine uh, and uh, Dorio, uh, his uh, 
partner significant other ish you know i yeah. i thought th- i thought she was a cute character and how she cared for him and you know leading up to uh his psychosis and his end you know it yeah, made me really I, I felt worse for dorio than for maine yeah and and the thing is is that dorio you know trying to save maine plays it's it's a mirror it's a foreshadowing of david and lucy actually mm-hmm. when you see that too of the idea of somebody caring for somebody so much can love save another person from themselves you know and literally like even even dorio like warns uh david about overchroming himself because she's seen it in her partner you know she saw it in maine so don't be like him don't become like him um yeah. and that is another thing uh, that is definitely a recurring theme is the concept of cycles and people, one, following in each other's footsteps, but also that the wheel turns and that there is always the next person. There's always going to be the next cyber psycho. There's always going to be the next leader and uh, that uh, the doctor mentions yeah. when David leaves for the last time of just, you know, you're not coming back. You're just going to be another story for the next punk kid who uh, is an up and comer. And that yeah. he himself may become something of a legend like Adam, but whether he is a legend or a terror or just a sob story that uh, you can tell the doctor's seen it before he's going to see it again. And yeah. that with the gang, they saw the transition from Maine to David and that how many other gangs around Night City see that same type of turnover, that it's next man up and that it, someone is going to succumb to either cyber psychosis or just, you know, get shot during a job. And yeah. it's uh, always all right. We've seen this before. We'll see this again. And in a way, this is very much a tragedy of just you see okay, in the end, what difference did he make? That is he going to be really remembered by Arasaka or by Militech? He's just another pawn in this grander game. He's sort of a footnote, maybe, in their schemes. They're going to continue this arms race that the two of them have, the, that the megacorps uh, have of uh, ruling Night City and the world at large is entirely uninterrupted and frankly was never at risk that Mm -hmm. the whole thing was the two of them Militech and uh, um, Arasaka going at each other that David and uh, Lucy were never trying to take down the megacorps they were just trying to make ends meet they were just trying to make sure that they didn't get caught up and get killed in the crossfire that uh, they were hoping to be able to make their money make it to the moon or just make do in night yeah. city that in the end they were not trying to change the world they were not trying to save the world they were not trying to topple these goliaths and that you see especially in the last couple episodes just the that you hear from episode one people talking about arasaka and how everything they do is influencing the world and how everything always leads back to the megacorps and you can yep. pretty much tell that but yeah. it's not until the later episodes and until really sort of those final sequences that it's just, oh, yeah, this didn't matter, did it? 
This didn't matter at all. Uh, it is definitely uh, and man it's a bit of a downer but it was so good <laughs> yeah like uh, the the fact that it was just like oh he was a straight a student but he also got into trouble and i hate to say it like yeah i didn't go down that path but i was a straight a student who was bored with school and would get called out by uh uh teachers at least in high school for doing different things like wearing my uniform wrong and stuff. Uh, it was just kind of like the whole, oh, you know, I'm going to see you at the top of the tower, you know, and then at the very end, he did make it to the top of the tower. The top of the tower, <laughs> mom. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, it's again, it's, it's myself having gone through therapy for uh, PTSD. When I see a character undergo trauma and grow from it whether it's you know become worse or become better from it i have a lot of respect for the writing and in david's case he does a little of both you know he both suffers from it and so he revels in what he's doing because he feels the excitement of it he feels anger towards the corporations and for literally like getting shafted with his mother dying uh, you know, he feels anger towards the gangs. They were getting into the fights with the corporations because that's how he wound up in the crossfire. We see him undergo both a positive and negative growth throughout the whole series because he really does step up and become the next main because he cares about the crew that he runs with, you know, and but at the same time, he also carries those grudges and that trauma, like the point where he kills the woman because he sees the photo of her with her son. And it reminds well, he doesn't him kill her. He doesn't kill her because he sees that. He no, but the, the psychosis. He, yeah. And then after killing her, he sees the photo and then that actually causes uh, the some of the PTSD for him later. Yeah, it kind of all coalesces together, so to speak. Like one thing triggered another, triggered another. Like it's, uh, in an anime by Trigger. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was just thinking <laughs> by Studio Trigger. <laughs> it's uh, it's the complexity behind his story is something that I just really loved and made it hit. He made it hit even harder. <laughs> yeah, and it's the type of thing that none of all the things that happen. This is not a story that I would consider to be one with a ton of twists. That everything maps out more or less where I expected it to go. You know, there's a there's a couple twists here and there. The deception of Kiwi was a mild twist, but at the same time, literally, she says, "Don't trust anyone." It's very clear that you know everyone's going to look out for number one in this world. Yeah, and that again. David undergoing psychosis, not a big twist. The idea of Maine dying partway through, eh, maybe, but just everything maps out very logically, very simply, especially for a trigger show, which sometimes, you know, has a tendency to go off the rails and it's actually aliens. The fact that they're, they were playing in the cyberpunk world meant that that wasn't actually going to happen. And it's the type of thing that even though there really wasn't anything narratively shocking where they just pull the rug out from under you and everything is different. Nothing say, is what it seems. It was just so good because 
the way they presented everything and the way they mapped it out that even if it wasn't necessarily shocking, it was very satisfying. And I'd say, and, uh, and that they they kept everything very cohesive. Mm, uh, I will say, I feel like Maine's death was actually a little uh, hinted around just because when the first of the gang is killed off, Pillar, and they got his hands left over, and he offers them to David, and David's like, oh, no, you know, I, I kind of like yours, you know, and this is a, oh, you're going to have to grow into them then, huh, boy? It's like, oh, no, like, you know, wait, the hands, somebody dying, getting somebody else's parts, oh, hmm. Yeah, that kind of telegraphed a little bit of that. Uh, I, I can't remember if David did get any of the parts, uh, like if any part of after that little time skip where he bulked up, if any part of him might have been left over from Maine, maybe I don't remember. Yeah, it didn't look like he had Maine's hands, actually, that nah. he did bulk up, but Maine's hands were huge. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, when when they killed that first character off in, in your uh, little found family uh, ensemble, that's when you get that vibe where it's like, Oh no, it's about to get real. Like this show is about to get real, real fast. And it rides that roller coaster hard from that point onward. Like, what, what was that? Like episode three, I want to say. Yeah, it was around there. And especially yeah. in the cyberpunk world that even as someone who doesn't know cyberpunk, I sort of figured from the beginning that this was a nobody is safe scenario. And yeah. uh, just they very much kept to that. But yeah. It, it was, like I said, even if not necessarily shocking, it was just very satisfying. It felt very consistent throughout in what it was, what it wanted to be, and just a studio trigger finding this playground and doing what I hope the fans will consider justice to it. And like I said, yeah. if the reviews that we're seeing are any indication it seems like a lot of folks from that fandom are enjoying it. And I'm very happy for them, especially yeah. with what they went through for 2077. So it, we're getting about to time. But as we've said before, we'll say again, go watch Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Hashtag not sponsored, but full bias acknowledgement. So there you go. Would you say us, it's uh, potentially else. a uh, top 10 for this year? Well, the trouble is, uh, ever since our first year, or rather our second year, because the problem didn't introduce itself until our second year, that um, any show where there is uh, friends who are in a major role yeah. or heavily involved with the production is not eligible. So since I'm not involved with any of the anime productions, anime from uh, Netflix are still on the table for our top 10 of the year, but since yeah. Emmy was the lead or the, the lead female at the very least, that uh, that takes Cyberpunk Edge Runners automatically off the table, just uh, disqualified. That we've had this in the past of um, Shadow's House was not eligible, Aparayranman yeah. was not eligible. Uh, we've had these other ones as well. So, uh, Fortunately for us, that's not a problem we'll have to answer because it's just not an option. It, but at the same time, <laughs> you ask if we were to say, okay, try to remove the bias and 
if we were to allow it into the top 10. It's the type of thing that I would have said very easily two years ago, Aparai Ranman would have been in our top 10. Last year, Shadow's House would have been in the top 10 super easy. And for this year, for Cyberpunk Edge Runners, I think that it probably would have broken top 10 for me. I don't know if it would have broken my top five, but it would probably break top 10 and absolutely get a honorable mention if nothing else. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely up there for me as well. I, uh, it, actually, and it's funny because the anime corner does have a little thing where you can pick a top 10 for the season. Uh, I will be tweeting mine out actually, uh, from what they well, had top 10 for the season. That's like a, a quarter of all the shows. That doesn't yeah. say as much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But the funny thing is, is this actually isn't listed on that poll for what's in the top 10 oh. of the season. So that's the other fascinating thing about it, because it is missing a few shows. Bizarre. I don't know why it's missing them from that selection, well, but, you know, this would be missing because it's off of the normal release schedule. So that's just in air on TV. And I think that that's another thing that mm. maybe that's why their list was the way it was is. It's a list of things that were televised and not say in and, and the funny thing is it's just based on what the websites list shows as because some will list a show as being a net show because the episode will launch online like a day before it airs on television. It's mm-hmm. it's weird, but weird. Yeah. Yeah. My, my top Ed 10 will be up on there. <laughs> Go watch Ed Runners. It's really good. Emmy did amazing that we didn't talk about her specifically too much, but you know, she rocked the role of yeah. Lucy. And uh she's mentioned to me that she just had a blast playing it. And I was so happy when I saw that announcement because I uh, this is not Emmy's first Netflix anime role this year because she was Uta in Bubble. Uh yeah. that obviously being a movie, not a full series. But uh, as always, we are so happy, so proud of Emmy uh, to see her continuing to have this success. Uh, the whole reason that she had to step away from being a regular host on this show was because business started booming for her and that she has been very busy both uh, as a performer, but also doing directing. So uh, hope to be able to get her back maybe uh, once in a blue moon. But, uh, you know, she's not here because... And I say this with the utmost love. She has better places to be. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you all so much for tuning in. This is episode 124 of DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. Please be sure to follow, like, subscribe, all that jazz here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And on YouTube, you can see the trailer for Kokoro No Pro, our upcoming wrestling-themed visual novel for... Uh, digital era entertainment merch you can go to merch.streamelements.com slash digital era entertainment and check out our sponsor image anime at imageanime.com and you can use the code discount ship that is d-e-e-s-c-o-u-n-t-s-h-i-p for free shipping on orders of a hundred dollars or more we're gonna have happy hour a little bit after this i'll be back uh, next week as always for thursday nights with rj and next saturday the 24th we have our next radio drama presentation it is the legend of vox machina part two that being episode seven through 12 of the uh, amazon prime animated series we had episodes one through six done and that's now actually available on our youtube channel and it was such a blast i'm really looking forward to doing the second half of this series uh, as i mentioned i've been spending most of the week working on that script i'm a bit over two-thirds of the way done we finishing it up this weekend so Again, that is The Legend of Vox Machina Part 2, which will be on Saturday the 24th 
at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch. Thank you.